Welcome to the Buff Show, Buff Show, AM 950, 94.9 FM, The Answer Orlando. Matt Buff, your host here, sitting in the easy chair in the Liam Fitzpatrick studio. Great to have you rolling along with us on this Thursday, 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 Taco Thursday at Liam Fitzpatrick's, and we have a massive show for you. All right, so we have a situation where we have an installed president who is not a president. This whole thing is ran by committee. You have propaganda minister in Jen Psaki. You have the social media teams at the large big tech companies covering and removing everything that goes against what the figurehead, which is Joe Biden, says. You have the team that sets policy, all right? That is your Susan Rice and Ron Klain and Barack Obama. When Joe Biden puts out a tweet that says, last night, at my direction, U.S. military forces successfully undertook a counterterrorism operation. Thanks to the bravery of our armed forces, we have removed from the battlefield Abu Ibrahim al-Hashami al Khorzari, the leader of ISIS. I'll deliver remarks regarding this operation later this morning, he said. First of all, when they put that Muslim name in the teleprompter, that was fun to watch. And Joe Biden mumbling through everything about this and then guns later on, guns. And then they spoke at the prayer breakfast this morning, too, him and Kamala Harris. I'm surprised lightning didn't hit the place. Well, we got a big show for you. Let's jump right into it. And and by the way, if you start a tweet with at my direction, you know he just went into the situation room. Somebody shuffled him down there. They told him, here's what we got to do. He's like, huh? And he goes, yeah, uh, yeah, attack. And then now it's at my direction. And his social media manager puts it out there at my direction. We This whole thing's being run by committee. Alex from Veritas Tactical is on the show with us because the first Thursday of every month, we take listener questions from all you guys about the Second Amendment, and we take questions about uh, on info at thebuffshow.com. So submit your question to info at thebuffshow.com. Alex, if somebody sends a really, really good one, maybe we'll send them a shirt from Veritas. What do you say? That sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah, but it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me back on. Good morning. What do you think about my take there on this is whole this whole thing's being run by committee, a very orchestrated event? Well, if anybody can't see that uh, that this president uh, has handlers, uh, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, you, you're obviously uh, not paying attention. Uh, this guy ha- can't mix or make one sentence. Uh, he can't say anything without mumbling uh, or stalling or stepping on himself. Uh, everything he does is by notes. Everything he does is by direction. Uh, so if anybody thinks that he's actually running this country, come on, wake up. You need to wake up. You and I were talking about before the show about how he uh, is just getting shuffled around here and there and he can't speak to things like that. And we talked about how they're coming after guns today, right? We talked about that. And he's reading this stuff. I don't know if he really believes this, but in New York City where he's talking about $500 million for uh, to fight gun violence. You and I have talked about the term gun violence before, how a gun doesn't jump off the table and go out there and do, do anything. Right. We, we always talk about the crazy guy behind the gun. Right. They talk about all these things and police reform and reform this and reform that, but they don't talk about, or, and then they talk about the gun shops and the ghost guns and all these other things, but they don't talk about the weak DAs. The weak leadership that's letting criminals off the hook, Alex. It's a it's a big problem, and uh, it's been going on for many years. Uh, they can throw all the money they want. I don't care if it's hundreds of millions or hundreds of billions. You throw it onto the wrong cause, it's not going to do anything for crime. 
Um, obviously, what we've seen in the last few uh, years is all these Soros-backed and liberal-backed uh, DAs going into these cities that already have a crime problem because of the, the large cities they are or the, and they're being run by Democrat uh, administrations. They're not being tough on crime. So now you've got these DAs, and I can speak for here for Orlando as well. We have the same problem that we just got into this new DA that we have here. They're letting all these petty crimes and these certain crimes go. Well, that guy or that girl goes out and does something. There's no consequence. So guess what? Next time they go out and they do it again or it gets worse or their fuel, uh, that desire, you know, for the next big level, uh, uh, you know, murder or takedown or whatever happens, they keep going. By then it's too late. These people have committed crimes over and over again. The cops every day get their hands tied more and more. Uh, you're starting to see, you know, they can't do certain things. They can't get into certain areas. Obviously, the body cameras, it 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 takes a momentum away from law enforcement to the degree where, yes, they're going to do, do their job, but they're limited. Their hands are being tied. On top of that, you're starting to get leaders in these agencies that believe in that system. They don't believe in the true law enforcement uh, because this whole thing about, oh, we have to be in the community and we have to go kneel with these these idiots and we have to go. Uh, you know, wear certain flags and stuff so we can show the community. You show the community you care about them by combating crime, by finding ways to taking care of them and keep them safe. On top of that, we need to have DAs that are strict, that go out there. We have plenty of laws in the books. I mean, we've got statute books that are, you know, six, seven inches thick. There's plenty of laws in there. Apply them and you'll see how we can combat crime. No, you're right. And it, when you speak common sense like that, they just lose their minds because they're like, oh, that doesn't make us more money. It's always about following the dollar, like $500 million. I'm sure that'll be spent well, just like the COVID cash to the teachers unions. It's always just about the money. So what are they going to throw money at? 500000 or $500 million into $500 million, yeah. To what? Yeah. You're going to give money yeah, to, to uh, programs, uh, rehab programs, uh, rehabilitation for what? These people don't feel... <laughs> There's no they can keep committing crimes because there's no consequence over and Dude. over and over again until they do a, you know, a life or a capital felony. And then they might go away for a while. Yeah, that's right. Jen Psaki, the propaganda minister for the Biden regime, talked about how some of this money is going to be funding local programs for rehabilitation. All they're going to do is spend money on more DEA agents to go give crap to gun shows and uh, gun uh, manufacturers and also the uh, gun shops. You know, look, there, there is a need. Uh, and here in Central Florida, they actually started one of the units or one of the agencies started it. It's still in its infancy. There is a need for behavioral, for mental uh, help uh, out there. But again, they take that and they make a big bubble out of it and they go, oh, everything goes to that. We got to put all this money into that. No, you, law enforcement still needs money. They need money for more uh, law enforcement. They need money for training. Believe it or not, they need more training, not less training. They don't need less cops on the street. They need more cops on the street. We need to get rid of some of these politicians that are in there that have no clue. They've never written a beat. They've never been out. They All they see is they, what they read. They may go out to the occasional ride along with their local cop just so they can see if you know their face or whatever, but they have no clue until really what happens in their city or their, or their, or their town. Uh, you know, like the local sheriff here is too busy, you know, uh, promoting himself for the next election or whatever, uh, too busy disciplining guys to make it look like, hey, I'm taking care of my own uh, type of deal. But they need to get into what, you know, really the, the community needs to understand what law enforcement is. It's not a pretty job. You're dealing with criminals. You want to put those criminals away to make the majority of the community safe. They don't want to see that. 
they're out there too busy doing it because they feel that that's what got them elected. Uh, in these Democrat areas, that's what got them elected. And it, they don't explain to their communities. I've been saying this for a while. These leaders, instead of being kneeling out there and, and trying to appease that crowd, get out there with your community leaders, black, white, Hispanic, whatever it may be in your area. Talk to them. Explain to them what goes on. Take them on some real ride-alongs in the worst part of your, your area, not the best part of your town, in the worst part. Show them what goes on. Show them what you need to do to combat the crime. This is not a brand new job or a new issue. This has been going on for years, but nobody wants to step up to the reality that we have to do. It's a brutal society out there. And the, the more that we go on and the more that we let them become more brutal, they're, they're not going to step back. No. The criminal will never, never uh, police themselves. That's not going to happen. No, they're not. They never will say, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll stop being a criminal. It just doesn't happen. Too many repeat offenders. And there will always be bad guys. And that's the problem. If you let them off the hook, it's like children. If you don't yep. punish your children, they're going to be brats and liberals. Absolutely. I mean, so look at New York. You know, New York pre-Giuliani uh, was a mess. Kind of like where it is right now. Giuliani yeah. came in and they had a good uh, police commissioner. And they cleaned up the streets. You still had crime, but not to the level it is now, to the level they had it. It took, you know, it took some, some, you know, what to, to actually do the job, get some people in there. They combated crime. They, and you get complaints. Yes, sure. You do You get complaints from the community, especially mainly from the, the bad, you know, the criminals, but they did their job and they cleaned it up. That's what has to happen again. But I don't know that the, the, these politicians or these leaders have the stomach to do that reset. No, not at this point. And if you keep putting in uh, complete morons to run the city, it's just going to be worse and worse and worse. I don't know if there's any hope for New York, but we'll see. A couple of minutes left with you. Let's go to some questions from listeners. Tim in Orlando says they are starting to require gun insurance for gun owners in San Jose, California. And the term liability insurance for gun shops has been floating around. What would liability insurance do to uh, shops, uh, firearm shops, and um, the gun lobby itself? Well, as far as when it comes to liability for the shops, um, I can't think of a shop that I know personally, of guys that I talk to, um, of my peers, that does not have liability insurance. I mean, that's something that, that you have to have. Most of your, um, of your locations require it. Uh, the places that you rent or own, whatever required, you have liability insurance. If you're a manufacturer, most places require that you have your liability insurance. It's a smart thing to have, you know, insurance. Uh, God forbid you have a break in and guns get stolen. You definitely want to have that liability insurance. And I think for the most part, most gun shops do have that. Um, and that's not really an issue or it's really ever a, a fight. Um, it is getting harder. I can tell you this, though. It is getting harder in the insurance industry. Uh, to get covered. Uh, a lot of companies are shying away from uh, whether it's for political reasons uh, or pressure from their uh, you know, parent companies, but a lot of companies are dropping or raising their rates to double or triple. I know we went through that uh, a year and a half ago, two years ago, where our, you know, they, they pretty much doubled our, our, um, our, um, our insurance just because we never, we never had a claim, never had a problem. But yet they doubled it. And then now when you start shopping for new ones, it's getting harder and harder to actually get somebody to insure you uh, because of that. Just like the banks, uh, it's hard to get an actual bank to uh, take your transactions when it comes to firearms because they're part of that woke culture. They don't want to deal with guns and so on and so forth. Oh, geez. So that's what they do. That's how they get you. They just double their insurance. Yeah. Maybe that'll put them out of business. Unbelievable. Jessica um, asks, 
She read the uh, open carry open letter to Governor Ron DeSantis. And she says, do you see open carry ever being a real possibility in Florida? So the open carry uh, is something that, you know, it, it has a, a double-edged sword to it. Uh, me personally, and this is just a, in my humble opinion, I believe that open carry is not a necessity. Um, I think it takes away from the element of surprise that you're carrying or not carrying. I know that some states have that open carry, but when you go to those states or those towns, everybody's carrying. Uh, it's one of those things where there's not a question of, you know, are there guns in this area? Those people are carrying religiously. And on that side, I think it works because everybody's carrying. If you're not carrying, either you don't like guns or you may be carrying it concealed. But for the most part, um, I, I see it happening in some of these places. And it's one of those things where everybody does it. It may not be such a big deal. Me personally, I don't like uh, open carry, nor would I open carry unless I'm hunting or I'm out in a in a field or or doing something where it's exposed. But on my everyday normal uh, travels in my uh, of my day to and from the store, uh, the grocery store, gas station, not with my kids, whatever, I want my weapon concealed. I want that element of surprise. I don't want someone seeing that, hey, hey he's got a gun on his hip. If I'm going to do something bad, you know, that guy right there is my target because he's got a gun. Um, so I, I like that element of surprise. I would rather keep that. If they put it out there and it's it's an option, you know, if you want to do it, that's fine. Uh, it's part of the, you know, part of the, something they pass legislatively. I, I have no problem with them doing it. Me personally, I wouldn't do it unless, like I said, it was out in open terrain or hunting or doing something where it wouldn't be a big deal. It might be more of a paperwork issue. They want to keep the thing, the paperwork off the desk of the Department of Agriculture. They don't want Nikki Freed putting their file for concealed carry in a uh, drawer for six months. I think maybe that's what it well, is. Well, see, I think when you talk about the constitutional carry, that's you know a different item. So constitutional carry uh, would is would be a great thing, right? Because constitutional carry gives that person, that law-abiding citizen, that can have a firearm is legally uh, allowed to have a firearm, can carry a firearm concealed without having to go through the uh, permit process. Now, yeah. they will still keep the permit process because, you know, remember, the permit still has reciprocity in like 32 states. So me personally, I would keep my permit because I, I travel, so I want to be able to carry my firearm in these different states. Um, the constitutional carry would apply, obviously, to just state uh, Floridians, which is fine because what that does is that mom or that, uh, dad or whoever that, you know, needs protection for whatever reason uh, can buy a gun and start carrying it for their protection uh, without having to wait 60, 90 days. Although they can have the gun in their car, obviously in their home and, and certain things like that without a permit. But the constitutional carry would allow them to speed that up should they need it. I can see it without a problem in those instances. Um, you know, the, the, the flip side of that that everybody talks about is um, they're saying that if we have constitutional carry, that, you know, all these gun crime, you know, gun violence is going to happen. And there's going to be guns everywhere. Look, the criminal is going to carry them. The, car the criminal is carrying them now with or without constitutional carry. That's right. right. So the criminal is gonna, always going to carry the gun. They don't going to care about any law that comes in, whether you can have it constitutional or by permit or whatever. They don't do things by the law. So that's not going to increase. Now, my only issue with constitutional carry is that because it does allow you to carry the firearm without any type of, you know, licensing or anything like that is will these people do something to go out and train? And that's my biggest thing is to, you know, I have, I want more guns in the street, legal guns. 
I want more people, law-abiding citizens, carrying guns, but I want them to be trained to understand that they can take that shot, how to take that shot, that they have it in them to take that shot because it could be me or someone in my family you're trying to save. Uh, and that's my biggest thing with constitutional carry that I like it. I feel that it, it, it's a great piece um, and it will help a lot of people, but I think it's also going to become something where people are going to take advantage of that, just get, you know, be able to carry their gun and not take a day or an hour of training to understand their firearm and understand what it takes to carry that firearm and what it takes to pull that trigger when you need to tool it. No, that's a good point. And for more training and information, visit VeritasTactical.com. A great sponsor of the show, Alex. Tell them how to find you. You can call us at 407-309-3000, 407-309-3000. We're located at 207 North Goldenrod Road, uh, number 200. That's Orlando 32807. You can hit us up at uh, VeritasTactical.com. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook, uh, Veritas Tactical. Uh, you can hit us on there on DM messages. Uh, give us a call. You got any questions that we can help you with, You know, give us a call or we'll see you in the right direction. Absolutely. They've been great to us. And you can send your questions in to Alex at info at buffshow.com. He'll be back at the first week of uh, March, the first Thursday of March next time to answer those questions. We'll keep piling them up. Thank you so much for joining us, Alex. Thanks for having us, man. All right. Sounds good. We'll be right back on The Buff Show. You stay with us. Liam Fitzpatrick's Restaurant and Irish Pub in Lake Mary. Happy hour drafts every day of the week and all day Sunday. Dollar off drafts and house wines, $2 off well liquors. And Liam Fitzpatrick's has tons of special events tonight. It's Taco Tuesday on Thursdays. Live music and specials all night on tacos, tequila, and margaritas. Friday's live music and happy hour, then brunch with $10 champagne over the weekend. Mention the Buff Show, get 10% off your order. Liam Fitzpatrick's Restaurant and Irish Pub in Lake Mary. LiamFitzpatrick's.com. Hey, you may have heard radio show hosts talking trash on solar. Yes, even conservative talk show hosts. There was a silly comparison to trucks running 10,000 miles, carbon emissions, and panel production. It came off as like a liberal argument against a liberal problem. Shallow knowledge as opposed to experts in the field. Politics, global warming, and other environmental concerns aside, the number one reason to buy solar is simple math. Have you looked at your power bill? It has risen in the last five years. How much more will it go up in the next five years? It's a rigged game and all solar energy empowers you to stop playing a rigged game. A solar electric system freezes your costs and shields you from upcoming rate increases. If you choose to finance a solar electric system, the payment on a system that zeroes out your bill is typically less than your current power bill. This is simple math. Call All Solar Energy in Longwood tomorrow at 866-412-4218 or online at www.allsolarenergy.com. More information on this later in the show. Welcome back to The Buff Show, AM 950, 94.9 FM, The Answer Orlando. Matt Buff, your host here in the Liam Fitzpatrick studio. we got to go to our friend Arshon McBride for, for a quick segment. Um, yesterday, we found out on The Buff Show, we got completely and utterly removed from Vimeo. We can't even log into our account. <clears throat> we paid for that service, too. <laughs> we can't even log in because they were so taken aback by doctors talking about ivermectin on the Buff Show. Unbelievable. Same thing happened to you, Sean. Great to have you. Our Sean McBride, member, experience leader, and curator at McBride for Business, LLC. Great to have you. 
Good to be here, man. And yeah, the, we'll talk a little bit about this growing phenomenon of uh, social media overreach, I guess is the best way to call it, probably. And so, uh, yeah. So as you know, Matt, I mean, I posted on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn shut my account off very mysteriously. I go to log in uh, Monday and says something to the effect of your account's restrictive. And so I go through, I click the appeal button. It doesn't tell me why or what. And then finally, you know, a couple of days later, I get a response from them. And they've, they've got a couple of my uh, posts. These are comments to other people's posts. Uh, one of them talks about the fact that, you know, um, forcing people to, to take a vaccine, uh, even when it's not proven to be effective. Uh, and I say sick until proven otherwise is not very democratic, right? This is my opinion of how a democracy should work. But apparently uh, LinkedIn says having an opinion on democracy is violating their terms. And then they quoted another account where it said um, more money and less stuff is inflation. Uh, you can blame all the corporations you want, but because the original post was blaming corporations. And I said, you can blame the corporations all you want, but the government giving away money and shutting down production caused the inflation. So these are the violations that LinkedIn thinks is going to shut people down. I mean, it's honestly discussion about what's happening in our economy. And, you know, in my opinion, very factual. I mean, I stated what the truth of what's happening is, and they don't want the truth out there. I, I, tell, I said it on the show last night. I don't want people like Whoopi Goldberg and Rachel Maddow and Joy Reid canceled. I don't. No. Um, that's a ratings issue with Joy Reid. But I don't want those guys canceled because I like morons on TV talking about stupid stuff that I can reiterate on the show and say, here's why they said it and here's why they're wrong. I like the open discussion. And when you said treating people as sick until proven healthy, that really caught my eye. That was just amazing. What an amazing quote, because a, we've talked about on the show before, asymptomatic is now a symptom. Yeah, well, I mean, that's it, right? I mean, here, here we are. We're supposed to be a democracy. We're supposed to treat people equal protection under the law, these concepts we all know well, judicial system, innocent until proven guilty. And, you know, we have have been for the last two years treating people sick until proven not sick, right? You're sick unless you can show me you have a vaccine, which, as we know, is very spotty. Uh, you're sick until you can wear a mask to keep your uh, whatever, supposedly keep your projectiles inside you know, your body or whatever. Again, it's all presumption that you're sick until you're proven innocent. And, and this has all gotten into government areas, right? You can't, sometimes you can't go to a courthouse. You cannot exercise your democratic rights unless you treat yourself as being sick or maybe sometimes take a test, right? It, it has gotten to the point where you cannot participate in a democracy in some cases unless you either treat yourself as being sick or prove that you're not sick. And I don't know where this came from, but you know, it's, it's put, it basically puts the presumption on people that they're, they're wrong until you prove that you're right. And that's, that's never been the notion here in this country. You're an attorney, uh, probably not exactly your field, but can we sue the living crap out of LinkedIn and Vimeo for what they did? Well, the problem is, and, and this, this, you know, of course becomes political field too, is, these are private business entities, right? And, and largely, at least going back, you're allowed to treat people, uh, you know, private entities are allowed to pick who they do business with as long as, and we do have like the Civil Rights Acts and other protections. So as long as it's not for one of those reasons, uh, they, they generally get to do what they want. And they're all hiding underneath of that, right? Like it's our playground. We own it. We'll decide who gets to play here or not. That's their argument. Now, 
There might the be public square, though, Sean. The pub, the yeah. public square argument. Yeah. Well, the public square is owned by the public. Then this gets into the Section Two Thirty argument that people may be aware of too, which is, you know, these these companies come out and they say, "Well, we're just a posting ground. We let people post. It's not our opinion. We're not liable for it." Uh, so, in one sense, they're trying to say, "Hey, we're just a public square. People can come here and post their opinions." Uh, but the other time they turn around and say, well, uh, we can't let you put misinformation out there. We can't let you put, you know, not factual opinions or whatever. They start, uh, they're really playing both sides of the line, right? They're trying to say, hey, we're just a posting ground. You know, we're just letting people express themselves. We're just a facilitator. Then other times they come in, they become the content controller and the content police. Those two are not consistent. Uh, there's certainly no requirement that you treat a private business as a public square, right? You, you don't have to let people come in and express their opinions in your cafe, your bookstore, whatever, unless you want to. But they are trying to play both sides of the fence, right? Sometimes it's like, hey, it's a public square. We're not responsible for what happens here. Other times they're all up in it trying to do it. And, and, and they're using legal protections under the law based on that Section 230 basically saying, hey, we're a public square. People just post what they want. So they want it both ways. Uh, there's definitely some real inconsistencies there. Well, R. Sean McBride, thank you so much for fighting the good fight. We're doing what we can where we can. And you're right. They're playing both sides of the, the fence here. They're going to have to either pick one or not. Where yeah. can people contact you? Yeah. What's the best way to contact you since LinkedIn's not a problem? Since yeah, you have LinkedIn's no problem on LinkedIn. Uh, you can get through to my nonprofit at amfreedomii.com. Uh, you can reach out to me, McBride for Business. You have that running down there. We have a web page. You can get through to me there. And one thing I want to quickly note is Facebook, their number of active users is down. So, and their stock price is down based on that. So people are starting to vote with their feed. But I think if they keep playing this game too long, they're going to find that people are going to look for a real place where they can open communications. Hopefully we're all moving that direction. That's why one of the places this show is streaming on is Getter, G-E-T-T-R. Find the Buff Show on there and find Sean on there soon, I hope. Yep, I think I'll go over there. <laughs> yep, absolutely. R. Sean McBride, thank you so much for joining us on the Buff Show. Thank you. All right, we'll be right back. You guys stay with us. Action Plus Pressure Cleaning is the official pressure washing company of The Buff Show. While Matt's doing the dirty work on the show, Action Plus Pressure Washing has been doing the dirty work for the last 15 years in Central Florida. They use a soft wash system to clean pool enclosures, driveways, pool decks, houses, and commercial property. They even clean large and small parking lots and buildings. Wow! Action Plus offers other services such as lawn maintenance, one-time service to weekly service, mowing, weeding, edging, and trimming, and hauling away debris. You can get more than one service, and they offer bundle pricing. Check out their weekly, bi-weekly, and monthly services for lawn maintenance and ask about their free standard two-driveway with house wash services. Family-owned and operated, get your free estimate at actionpluspressurecleaning.com or call 386-506-1048. That's 386-506-1048. Action Plus Pressure Cleaning. They aim to please. Since 2012, Cellular Tronics has been providing Central Florida with the best phone repair, electronics repair, and computer repair. They fix all electronics from iPhone, Samsung, Sony, and many more. They also do TV repair and fix your tablets. Right now, you can get a glass back cover for the iPhone 8 to an iPhone X for only $95. iPhone 11 and up back covers are only $120. With one super convenient location, 31 South Charles Richard Beale Boulevard in DeBerry. Or call them at 386-516-6185. Visit Cellulartronics.com. Cellulartronics. Cellular 
Welcome back to the Buff Show, AM 950, 94.9 FM, The Answer, Orlando. Check out thebuffshow.com for all past show information, social links, podcast information, and a whole lot more. All the past interviews and our freedom, uh, medical freedom segment is on there too. Check that out. Just click the banner at the top that says Tragedy in America. A lot of good information from doctors on that. But war is afoot. Okay, we had the uh, takedown of the ISIS-K leader in Syria that we talked about earlier in the show, but we also have um, possible war in, in Ukraine versus Russia, and the NATO allies are amassing troops, and apparently the U.S. is amassing troops there too. So war is brewing. We got to find out why. We got to find out what is the cause of this, what is really going on. And that's where we go to Tom Amenta and Dan Blakely on the show. You got to check out their book, the number one best selling book, 20 Year War, the 20 Year War. It's an amazing book. And if you go to thebuffshow.com, you can see past interviews about the book. But thank you guys both for joining us. Hey, thanks for having us again, Matt. Oh, yeah, it's great to have you back. So it's it's perfect timing to have you guys on, too. Both veterans um, served your country. Thank you for your service. You've got amazing stories that we've talked about before on the show of your experiences in the Middle East. But now we have, um, I'll go with you, Tom, first, the uh, ISIS-K uh, leader taken down. Um, there's a lot of theories about how it happened, but they've sent in special force, forces to take right. him down. And it seemed to work out pretty well. Well, I mean, I'm not going to comment specifically on the on the tactics or techniques or procedures. That's always a big uh, no fly zone for guys like Dan and I who who have done it in the real world. But I, what I will say is what's what's coming out is it looks like the you know the the standard uh, American counterterrorism policy worked really really well. They they used their intelligence properly. They found out where this person was. I know that you know people like Evan Hill at the New York Times um, and some others are trying to are calling out that there were appears to be some children uh, and some women that might've died in this. But the, the report from the Pentagon is that that ISIS leader detonated a suicide vest that he had, which from what I'm reading, it seems like a completely plausible and totally reasonable explanation to what happened given what is publicly available. So I'm, uh, you know, so, so I think there's a lot of noise and a lot of clickbaiting trying to get people to pay attention to, uh, different people publishing the story. But at the end of the day, everything that I saw on this, it looks like the the boys, you know, put one up that was a that was a solid win for, you know, counterterrorism and freedom across the world. Yeah, absolutely. Dan Blakely, um, for crying out loud, when we took out Soleimani and uh, some other bad guys, um, people got really upset by that. <laughs> not, not this time. They're okay with this one. But for some reason, when Trump makes the order, it's a, it's a real big problem. Yeah, I'm not sure why, you know, there's always this change in tone of how people accept the news of a terrorist leader being killed. But this was definitely a win. Um, you know, I think I think majority of Americans have known about ISIS, have seen the influence that they've had globally and really the uh, terrorism that they've spread uh, around the world. And they've seen firsthand what they're capable of doing with the retaking of Iraq uh, and especially their spread throughout Syria. And even now they're spread really throughout the Middle East and even into some areas uh, of Europe and certain cells in the Philippines and things like that. So um, this is a big win. It's obviously a, a blow to ISIS, but like all terrorist organizations, it's it's kind of that next man up type thing. It's it's There's always gonna be 
another person who's going to step up and try and be the leader of of these terrorist cells. So we just got to stay after it. You know, this is a this is a victory. It's a it's a blow to ISIS, but um, definitely got to keep the pressure on. No, absolutely. You got to keep the pressure on, take away their funding, do everything you can. Uh, under the Trump administration, Tom Amenta, ISIS was really held at bay. I mean, he really did a lot of things to keep them underground. I just can't, we can't go back to what we saw in 2010 or whatever, where they were setting people on fire on the beach and putting them in swimming. We can't go back to that. We got to keep them at bay. Dan's exactly right. I think that I think that what you're seeing is is the extension of a of a policy that started under one administration and is being continued, um, at least in that facet of the policy as it pertains to Syria, as it pertains to Iraq, as it pertains to the Horn of Africa, you know, ex- being executed really well. And I am I'm glad to see that the, those that are that have come after Dan and I are continuing to to do the work to to not only keep the United States safe but keep the world free. So. You know, if I had a hat on, I'd, I'd tip it to these these fine men and women that were on the ground, you know, about 36 hours ago, uh, keeping everybody safe. Like, truly, it's 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 refreshing. To, you know, it's always a good time to see when we get on the scoreboard with the W. Absolutely. Let's move up a little bit, uh, up the map a little bit to Ukraine. Um, Dan, I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, did the U.S. open the door for uh, Russia to invade Ukraine? Do you think that they that we opened the door for that? Absolutely. Uh, I think Putin is a, is an opportunist and he saw the uh, kind of the failure that happened in Afghanistan and us fleeing our allies in Afghanistan as a opening to us not being there shoulder to shoulder with our allies, especially in the Eastern European region uh, in Ukraine. And um, it's unfortunate to see that that form of weakness coming from the United States. But I am a little more encouraged with some of the moves that have happened recently in the past few days. With the moving of the 2,000 troops to uh, uh, to Romania or uh, Poland, up uh, yep to Poland and uh, and uh, the eastern uh, the eastern uh, block, and so it's really good to see that movement happen. And I hope that's going to persuade Putin to maybe take a step back and realize that we are going to be serious. We are going to be there for our allies, and uh, hopefully we'll join NATO forces and and make sure to push him back. And hopefully this won't turn into a thing. Tom, do you think uh, Putin will respect that, what Dan said? Do you think that, that troop movement will have an impact on Putin or will this lead to war? And how much about this is about reserves of oil? So I absolutely think that it's going to cause him to reevaluate whatever strategy he currently had. OK, like this is this is as much an escalation. And, you know, the you know, the game theory and this is called a saber rattle, right? Like for every action merits a response. So, you know, do you think that, you know, your opponent, you know, if you look at a game board like that is truly going to follow through, because if you do, you will take a different tactic as opposed to if you think that they're not. So he's, he's definitely thinking about it. Like you can't not think about American troops being in a place where they can respond at the same time. Um, I think that, we have to understand that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And Vladimir Putin has told us exactly who he is now for 20 years. That is a strong man uh, dictator who is going to try and always get what he wants through brute force. Like he's, he is, he has, he has a legacy and he's remarkably consistent about that. And then the second thing is part of this about energy dependence and energy reserves and things like this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the pipeline that supplies most of, the, um, you know, natural gas through central and, you know, what we call Eastern Europe, but really is almost true Central Europe and the Balkans comes through there. Um, you know, I was, I was actually in 
I think it was Serbia, when I went around the world, where they were building this huge, I'd have to go back here, this huge, massive Russian Orthodox church. And it was being sponsored by the Russian state oil company, right? Like, you know, they've been long using their energy policy in this region in the world to gain influence, whether it's, you know, donating to build this, frankly, gorgeous, gorgeous church, if you can appreciate, you know, Orthodox architecture and things like that. Or if it's, you know, in this point, like using government, inter, you know, interference in a foreign power. It's also about um, agricultural, economic trade, things like that. Like the Ukraine is, <clears throat> it's on the Black Sea. Odessa is a huge port. Um, that's, that's, that's a very valuable strategic piece. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's about a lot of things, but energy dependence is absolutely one of them. And this would hurt Americans back here, Dan, because we're already facing tremendous gas price increases. And uh, we know that this administration will not do anything to make us energy independent again. So this really has major implications on us here at home. And I wanted to relay that message. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right. I have, you know, a sustainability background. I know a lot about solar and wind and, and everything that that's in between. And um the the push to move everything to renewables so quickly it obviously is showing uh its side effects and that is to to show dependence on other other nations and when we have dependence on nations that we don't necessarily align with or agree with then they have us in a vice they have this ability to really squeeze us into a place where um you know we're going to bend to their their desires or their demands. So we see that in China and the economic ties that we have to them. We see this now with the uh, a natural gas dependency that we're having with Russia. And so we definitely need to get to a place to where we have dependence either within our own borders or at least with our allies to where we don't have to depend on these nations. And, and that, that projects the weakness right there that we talked about earlier, Tom, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, it's, all, it's one of those things too where it shows you how multifaceted something like this can be. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't really care personally what your opinion on something like fracking is. The fact is that America has a tool, to Dan's point, to be completely energy independent in the world and be a natural gas exporter. We were under the Obama administration, which is a which last time I checked was a Democrat in you know in power, and we were under the Trump administration. I understand the climate goals and I understand that we need to reduce the world's dependency on fossil fuel. And in a very broad stroke, I agree with that. But when it comes to the security, not only of the United States, but of our allies against a true and real threat to global security and the world economy in Vladimir Putin to not use all of the tools and resources available to us to combat this, you know, to Dan's point, it's like, being the one-legged man in the butt-kicking contest. Like, it's this isn't just about how many troops can we put on the border. This is about how do we use the depth and breadth of American foreign policy, American domestic policy, that can provide security to everybody and use them correctly. Like, I'm not saying, you know, go back to the way something was 12 years ago. I am saying, how much of tool A can we use to be safe? How much of tool B can support it? And how much of tool C, you know, can make sure that that can stick because that's how you win something like this. That's how you win as much as people don't want to talk about it an actual war and the results of what happens in a war. A war ends with diplomacy. Always. <laughs> we go and fight and then the, the diplomats come in and they hammer out a peace agreement or they, they hammer out an, an armistice and that's how it ends. Right? So 
the the fact that the administration is not thinking three dimensionally there, um, and and they're leaving some of those cards on the table is is a little concerning for me personally, especially because we have resources. We are not um, we're painted into a corner on the on, on sort of the diplomatic and the economics of our own making, and it's a corner we can easily just erase ourselves out of. And I and I don't understand why the administration is refusing to move from there. No, I don't. And we're definitely going to see what happens as this plays out because Putin is about Russia first. Russia yeah. first. That's that's Putin. And so we're going to see how this plays out. We'll get you guys back on after this escalates and talk about how it goes. But Tom Amenta, Dan Blakely, thank you so much for joining us. The 20 year war. Everybody check out this book. Dan, where can they get this book? Uh, they can get it directly on our website, 20yearwar.com, or they can go to anywhere books are provided, including Amazon, Barnes and Noble, things like that. Absolutely. And the buffshow.com where this interview is, the link is right there for you guys to make it easy too. Thank you both for joining us and talking about this very crucial topic. Of course. Thanks thank so much you. for having us. All right. We'll be right back on the bus show. You guys stay with us. You heard about the simple math with the solar electric system earlier in the show. Not all homes qualify. An energy evaluation by a qualified professional to get the fully informed information is always recommended. If your home qualifies, solar is always a prudent financial move. All Solar Energy in Longwood has been educating homeowners, roofing companies, property management firms, and now radio hosts about solar for 22 years. We have experts to perform no cost, no obligation energy evaluations to see if your home qualifies and explain the simple math of solar. Call All Solar Energy tomorrow at 866-412-4218 or visit the website www.allsolarenergy.com. Let them know you heard about it from me, Matt Buff, on The Buff Show. Veritas Tactical, Tactical. a family and law enforcement-owned company where you can get custom-built ARs with purpose-built precision. They have a full line of handguns like Glock, Sig Sauer, Smith & Wesson, and get your everyday carry items and accessories. Moreover, they are your liberty-safe dealer. Need training? Veritas Tactical has all you need from getting your CCW to advanced tactical courses, female survival courses, and force-on-force scenarios. Veritas Tactical has a full-time gunsmith on site, Coating services, laser engraving and more. Mention the Buff Show and get a $25 discount on courses. You'll find Veritas Tactical at 207 North Goldenrod Road, Suite 200 in Orlando. Contact Veritas Tactical, 407-309-3000. 407-309-3000. And at VeritasTactical.com. Veritas Tactical. Tactical. Welcome back to the Buff Show in 950 So Orlando, Matt Buff, your host here in the Easy Chair in the Liam Fitzpatrick studio. We're heading into our final segment. All right, we got, well, what a show we've had today. Check out all the past interviews on thebuffshow.com. All right, we put all the links, all the individual interviews, and all the podcast information and everything on thebuffshow.com. Make sure to check that out. And it is Thursday, so that means it's Freedom Foundation Thursday on the Buff Show. Maxford Nelson, he's the Freedom uh, Freedom Foundation's Director of Labor, Labor Policy. Great to have you, Max. Thanks for having me, Matt. Pleasure to be here. All right. If I gave you $60 million, right, and you just don't ever tell anybody what you did with it, could you start your own Black Lives Matter chapter? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I might find other alternative uses for the funds, but yes, I could probably do that if that was my job. <laughs> 
I just went, uh, when you guys sent over the information about what the labor unions are doing, it just popped in my head about how the Black Lives Matter organization must be a union now because they're, they're too high, hiding money. $60 million, houses galore, and everybody's uh, too scared to ask. Uh, they don't want to be called racist. <laughs> what did you do with the money? Oh, you can't ask me that. That was our reparations. <laughs> it's a pretty good gig if you can get it. Yes, we need to find a cause. But I tell you what, at the freedomfoundation.com, they have a cause, guys. Everybody check it out. They're helping people save more money in their paychecks, which is awesome. How do you like that transition, Max? That was good. That was perfect. You know, we, we spend quite a bit of time over here helping uh, union-represented public employees understand that they don't have to pay dues to a labor union. They have a constitutional right to make their own decisions about union membership. And a lot of folks decide, you know, they're not too keen on funding uh, leftist politics with the dues money that they pay, and they'd rather put that money to, uh, to a different purpose. Well, this is breaking news on the Buff Show, uh, and I really appreciate you putting out this article. We're going to put these out there for everybody on the buffshow.com, but I want you to go to freedomfoundation.com, everyone, and uh, check out the recent blogs, all right, recent reports. Max put together this entire presentation of what's going on. We're talking about $36.7 million in federal funding through the PPP program. You remember that, everybody? The payback, uh, Paycheck Protection Program? Well, they protected their paycheck with these labor unions. And this includes teacher unions and, and other organizations, Max, that the money's missing, unaccounted for, not paid back. And it is $37 million. This, this, was, a, this was a massive program. Folks may remember, you know, that this was big news back in 2020 as, as part of the initial... Uh, COVID relief package that Congress passed, the CARES Act back in March of 2020, had a bunch of different components with it. It was a multi-trillion dollar piece of legislation. But one of the big programs uh, and one of the probably better known programs was, was the Paycheck Protection Program, PPP. And it was administered by the federal government, by the Small Business Administration. And the purpose uh, of the program was to send out grants, essentially forgivable loans, uh, to small businesses, businesses that had less than 500 employees. Um, but there were other eligibility, fairly strict eligibility requirements. Uh, and one of those requirements was that uh, basically you had, you had to be a business, you had to be a business enterprise of some kind. Uh, but there was one type of nonprofit, essentially one type of nonprofit organization, 501c3 nonprofits that were also eligible to receive uh, funds through the Paycheck Protection Program. Now, 501c3s, that's going to be, you know, your local humane society. That's going to be most charitable organizations that people are familiar with. Um, but there are other types of nonprofit organizations or, or tax-exempt organizations that were not eligible to particip participate in this program. And one of those other categories was labor unions. They're organized as 501c5 organizations, and they were not eligible for any of this for any of this money. Uh, so from March 2020 until March 2021, remember, you know, control of Congress and the presidency changed as a result of the uh, November 2020 elections and the first big legislative item on the agenda for the new uh, Democratic congressional majority uh, in, in early 2021 was another, I believe, the third big COVID relief package, the American Rescue Plan. Uh, and that the Democrats in that plan decided, well, we're going to extend eligibility for this paycheck protection program to labor unions. 
But between March 2020 and March 2021, labor unions were not eligible for paycheck protection funds. Now, our analysis shows, and, and we went through the entire database at the Small Business Administration of all of these loans, over 11 million loans that went out through this program. And we, we were just checking, let's see if any labor unions applied for and received money during this one year period that they were not eligible. And we found uh, that yes, actually, uh, as, as many as 226 loans went out to labor unions or related uh, labor organizations during this period, totaling, as you say, nearly $37 million. Uh, but then these entities were statutorily, legally ineligible to receive this money. Uh, hasn't been reported on. Most of these loans have now been forgiven, essentially grants out to these organizations. And boy, let me tell you, it, this is a complete breakdown in, <laughs> in, the, in the process here on so many different levels. Uh, and at the end of the day, I mean, it's another example of the federal government just not being very good at running its own programs. You call it profiting from a pandemic. And no kidding, when you go through this list, we're going to put the PDF, too, on the site. Because when you go through this, I mean, the California Retired Teachers Association, $72,000. You're retired. <laughs> this is a paycheck protection. You're retired. The American, I mean, Ohio Retired Teachers Association. Virginia Beach Education Association. Not only were all these schools closed, but a lot of these groups are, they're for retired people. <laughs> well, and, and what you really pick up on when you start going through the list of these specific loan recipients, these are advocacy organizations. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, and, you know they're, they're not charitable organizations, they're advocacy organizations. Uh, and teachers unions and government unions themselves generally fit into that category. But those examples, those retiree associations, uh, the other good example is uh, the, these AFL-CIO affiliates. So people, a lot of people have probably heard of the AFL-CIO and associated with the labor movement in some way. Basically, what the AFL-CIO is, it's a trade association, if you will, for labor unions. So a, the AFL-CIO has its national headquarters. It has state affiliates. It's got uh, county-based labor councils. These are all part of its own internal structure to, to advocate for labor unions generally. The AFL-CIO doesn't represent workers. Uh, it, the member unions that belong to the AFL-CIO, they represent workers, but the AFL-CIO represents unions. So it is essentially, like I said, it's, its job is political advocacy for the most part. And yet we see that the Pennsylvania AFL-CIO got a quarter million dollars. The Baltimore Labor Council got $67 million dollars. You know, and, and so on and so forth. There were, you know, about a half million dollars total went out to these various AFL-CIO affiliates. Well, this is money that's going primarily to political advocacy and general advocacy on behalf of the labor movement. Uh, you know, you look at some of these other loan recipients, these public sector, these government unions, uh, the Alaska State Employees Association, the Oklahoma Public Employees Association, the list goes on. You know, these, these again, these are these are interest groups representing public employees, uh, but tend to be very engaged in the political process. And here's here's the other kicker, Matt. The, the money in the Paycheck Protection Program, again, the whole idea here was to, to send money to employers to keep people on the payroll in the middle of the pandemic. You know, we're in these government-instituted lockdowns, the economic activities dropping through the floor. The government's sending this money out to employers with the hope that or, you know, with the understanding that they would use that money to keep people employed. Well, where does union revenue come from? It comes from dues. Where do the dues come from? Out of employees' paychecks. 
who's paying the employees? The employers. If, if the Paycheck Protection Program is accomplishing its goals and employers are using that money that they've received as the employer to keep people on payroll, then that's money that is necessarily going to benefit the unions as well. The employees are still being employed and they're still paying dues. Um, but what we see here is this money flowing directly to the union as an employer itself. So it's, it's not only illegal for, for these loans to go out, but it just it just wasn't necessary. Uh, essentially, they're, they're amounts to double dipping, if you will. And when you start getting into these government sector unions, these public employees, the federal government shelled out hundreds of billions of dollars to schools to keep teachers employed, hundreds of billions of dollars to state governments and municipal governments. They can keep all of their people employed uh, and paying dues along the way. But in addition to all of that, you know, we had, you know, these 220 some odd unions that were uh, fraudulently uh, applying for and receiving uh, direct aid that they were ineligible for. That is just remarkable how they got away with it. And you got it all right there. Every single organization that did this. Double dipping is the right way to look at it. Maxford Nelson, in 30 seconds, what can we do to get this money back to the taxpayers? <laughs> well, I mean, it's going to come down to the federal government. I mean, we have submitted uh, complaints to the uh, inspector general's office at the Small Business Administration exposing this. We've also submitted complaints to the Department of Justice, which has a center that deals with disaster fraud. Uh, now, in a perfect world, those agencies will do their jobs and, uh, and try to recover some of this money for the American taxpayers. Um, hopefully that's the way it goes. But ultimately, this is a question of, of accountability of public officials. And that's something that happens at the ballot box. Accountability of public officials is definitely key right now as we're in an election year. You guys need to find out more information about this. We'll put it all in the Buff Show and then visit thefreedomfoundation.com. Max Nelson, thanks so much for joining us and breaking down this travesty that occurred. <laughs> My pleasure, Matt. Thanks for having me. Okay, that'll do it for this evening's edition of The Buff Show. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you Monday.